I'm Jordan Rodrigue from The Athletic, the host of a new narrative podcast called The Play Callers, a series about innovation, competition, and even self-destruction within the NFL's youngest coaching family. The Play Callers will take listeners inside some of the brightest minds in football like you've never heard them before. Featuring exclusive interviews with Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, and many others. The entire series will be out on Monday, July 10th on the Athletic Football Show podcast feed. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I recap the latest reports on James Harden and go over the various pathways the Sixers have to navigate his free agency. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? It's been a, we haven't had a break like that. You know, I think it's probably been about a week and a half since we last spoke. Um, we haven't had a break like that in quite a while, but we are. Now in the off season, even though the NBA is games are still being played, I know some of you may have checked out on the season because quite frankly, watching the last two rounds of the playoffs can be painful if you are a Philadelphia resident, but how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. It's also painful if you spend a lot of time in the Yoko Chambid wars on this side because yeah. uh, that baby is over for a while. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got, I've got one tweet that every, every time Jokic like does something, wins an MVP, now gets to the finals, gets, gets up, is a game away. I have a tweet where I had asked Sixers fans whether they would rather have, it was a poll, Jokic or Jaleel Okafor. And I put it up there because I was shocked how many people I think still favored Okafor. And Jokic at that time had had a monster game in one of the FIBA something, I forget which event. And I put up there just to see whether or not Okafor still had that kind of support. But Denver fans love to throw it back in my face like I was picking Okafor at that time when every, everyone listening to this podcast back then would have known I wouldn't have picked Jaleel Okafor over like, you know, freaking olden Polynes or something like I wouldn't have picked Okafor over anyone. Uh, I was not name. on the Okafor. Yeah, I don't know why that one came up right away. Just bad um, player. That's what you think. Of. He was a olden real bad Polynes. player. He was a real bad player. Um, very old school, but old school in a very different way. Immobile. Big, it, what are we doing? Um but I was not an Okafor fan, but that gets, that's been thrown back in my face a lot this past week. And every time I just want to be like, I wasn't, I was asking for I was putting up a poll, not picking a side. But anyway, anyway, yes. Bad time for Philly fans and the, any kind of war you have with Denver fans. because You're not winning this one. You know what? The, the crazy thing is the Jokic draft. I'm actually looking at it right now. What was he? Just 41? Kind of, it was, uh, yeah, he was the 41st pick. But if you remember, I think that was the hype in my opinion, of Sixers draft years, because it was after that first year, they had two picks in the top Mm -hmm. 12, right? They picked Joe, they picked Dario, but then that second round was crazy too. They had, they picked McDaniels, they picked Jeremy Grant ahead of Jokic, which look, for those, if those are your two picks in the thirties and you pick McDaniels and Grant, nice job, because Jeremy Grant is a very good player. Um, And to get him in the late thirties is a nice deal. Obviously the Sixers didn't, get the the fruits of of that success uh that's a story for another time but it's just funny that everybody always brings up oh Jokic was uh was drafted in the middle of a Taco Bell commercial and I remember just like <laughs> you know tracking that Sixers draft and even after them it was like oh they tra- they drafted Russ Smith but then they traded him 
They drafted my boy Misich, and I was pretty happy yeah. about that one. But in the middle of that was Denver selecting Jokic during a Taco Bell commercial, which uh, it just goes to show. Now, wouldn't it have been, I, I guess it's plausible. Like, I would love to know where Jokic was on the Sixers draft board. Like, can you imagine if they went three of their top four or five picks, if they went not only Embiid, Hurt, you know, like Hurt, and then <laughs> you have Dario not coming over for a year. And then you draft this other guy from Serbia who's like an unknown or whatever. I'd love to know where um, where Jokic would have fallen. Like, obviously, the whole league missed out on Jokic. This is not like, oh, man, Hinky completely messed up with that. But uh, I don't know. I, I guess I just was kind of thinking, man, can you imagine if Embiid and Jokic were on the same team? That, w- that would be interesting. Yeah. Well, and that would have been four centers. No, and look, I think yeah, I, when you ask where he, he was on their board, obviously no higher than 39th because they took someone at 39th. And by the way, Jeremy Grant ended up being a pretty good NBA player, especially for that draft slot. Ended up like his career is over. He's still a pretty good NBA player. You know, I think a lot of people look at that because I've heard a lot of people now in Philly saying like, oh man, they even screwed up the 2014 draft because they didn't get the best player in it. Nobody had a lottery grade on Nikola Jokic. Nobody, not even Denver. If Denver thought he was going to be this good, they wouldn't have let 40 picks go by before selecting him. They would have traded into him. Uh, they would have traded into a late first round pick, even an earlier second round pick to make sure they got their guy. So you give them credit for saying, all right, we think Jokic is the best player left available when their pick came up at 41. But it's, you know, it's really the draft. I say this all the time. It's really easy in hindsight. It's really easy in hindsight. Every time I look at a draft board I had, I'm like, man, I have no idea how I ever got a dime covering this NBA draft. I should not have been paid a fucking cent because everything is wrong. But then you look at the GMs too, and they get everything wrong too. It's really tough. It's really tough. But I, I guess it'll be nice as for me and you who are not in the middle of the Embiid Jokic Warriors. I, I think that's going to calm down next season. I, I think. Yeah. Even, I think even Sixers, Sixers fans, fans will admit their place that, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that's not the battle. Maybe. Hey, look, if Joe has a great postseason and, and maybe. They match up in the finals. Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that uh, that reignited. But I would say if that becomes a conversation again, I think it'll become a conversation for better reasons. It'll be a, become a conversation because Joel and the Sixers have broken through and actually done something in the playoffs, yeah. which to this point they have not. And so. to be honest, I think that's part of what's made these playoffs so intriguing. Like you've got the Nuggets, who even though they had a top seed, a lot of people didn't necessarily believe in them. In the playoffs, and you've got the Heat, who every year we perpetually underrate their chances of going deep in the playoffs, and you've got two teams sort of, you know, disproving a narrative and 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 finding success when nobody really believed in them. Kind of wish that would happen here in Philly, where <laughs> a team that nobody believes in would find success. Maybe one day that will be the case, but um, yeah, no. Look, I hope I hope next year we can just appreciate two very different, very unique, wonderfully talented players, and now that both of them have an MVP, we can just kind of like move on. I truly hope that because I I love watching both of them play basketball. I, the uh, sp- speaking of beyond Jokic, I, I think the Nuggets have been. It's like a cool team building story on on yeah. how they've gone about this. Where yeah, obviously Murray gets hurt, and that's a that's a very important part of this. He is an excellent playoff player, but they I just love the, the Aaron Gordon trade is so cool now that he's mm-hmm. bossing people around in the finals because that was a dude. He was on Orlando. He was a three. Like they and were he on those... wanted to be a three too, though. He wanted to be known as someone who can play both positions and create his own shot and be a perimeter player. And yeah, it took him a little while to buy in, I think. And that's how you come in 27th in offense with mm-hmm. uh, 
with Aaron Gordon in that spot. Move him to Denver. You know, they would they trade, I think, two first round picks for him, which, by the way, well worth it. Uh, and it's a perfect fit because Jokic does a lot of his stuff from the perimeter. And they basically turn Aaron Gordon into, OK, yeah, you're going to be our wing stopper on one end, which is vitally important. He's a great defensive player. I, you know, Van Gundy talks about it all the time on the broadcast. It's like Jimmy has a great matchup on anybody but Aaron Gordon. Yeah. And uh, and it's true. Like, he's just huge and he can move his feet. But on offense, they have turned him into basically like a rim running center, yeah. like a you know, cutting from the dunker spot. And yeah, he makes the occasional three. Yeah, he'll he'll splash a couple of those in. And I, I think he deserves credit for the improvement there. But it's just been, I don't know, like the way he, sc- he scored like 27 points the other night. And a lot of that is just like, beating his man down the floor on a cross match yep. and then throwing the ball to him and him just bullying people in a very ugly manner. Or it's, you know, Jokic gets doubled, Gordon's man helps, and it's a perfect pass from Jokic or whatever. Anyway, I, I don't know. I think that's cool. And I think if Sixers fans are going to take any solace from that, it's like the Nuggets for a long time were not considered a a deep playoff threat. And, and I think the way the league is moving they're not going to be able to keep their team together for a long time. So it, it is possible to find the pieces, I think, to uh, to build a championship contender. Will that happen in Philadelphia? I don't know. I, I, I do, But I do think Denver is like proof that, you know, a team that wasn't considered a great playoff team for a long time, if they get all the right pieces and they nail their free agent signings like Bruce Brown, who is not going to be on their team next year, um, it can happen. Yeah. Yeah, it can. As so much of their uncertainty was always injury related. Anyway, they hadn't been a full team in quite a while. But a part of it was there were a lot of people who didn't believe that a, a defensively limited center could have that kind of success in the playoffs. Uh, and he has been a monster for most of this run. Really fun team. Really fun team. All right. So I guess we, when we're, you know, we're talking a lot about players buying into their roles, that seems like a natural pivot point here for James Harden. There was a port that came out. I forget who it was. It might have been Shams. It might have been, I forget. But that Harden was torn between Philly and Houston, which we all kind of expected that to be the discourse right around now. In order to get the most money, you certainly have to have both sides believing that the other side is a serious threat. Ramona Shelburne then mentioned, uh, speculated Phoenix as a possibility if they end up moving on from Chris Paul. They basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, she was saying that they, they wouldn't move on from Chris Paul unless they had a backup plan and speculated Harden as a possibility as one of those backup plans. So we've had a lot of conversation here about James Harden, which you would expect because we are now three weeks away, a little over three weeks away from him having to make a pretty serious decision. Where's your, uh, where's your head at now with the Harden with the Sixers? I, I believe it. Like, I, you know, I think some people thought, you know, him being torn is that, you know, is that like messaging to soften the blow of a tampering charge, perhaps if Houston, who's been rumored to get him all year. No, man, like I, I don't think either team is going to pay him the max, right? No. And I think there is is going to be some bargaining in between on on what it is. Like it, it's funny. We we initially heard this offseason. It's like, oh well, the difference between a four year max for or the max for the Sixers and the Rockets are basically the same thing. You know, it's like $8 yeah. million dollars difference. It's like 208 the over versus 200. Rule. Okay. But none, either and of then, those teams are paying him to hundred anyway. So yeah. yeah and, and then it's like, Ooh, well the Texas, Texas state taxes is probably even about the same thing. <laughs> doesn't matter. It's uh, the, the, I don't think those teams are, are going to, to pay him that money. And it's, 
I don't know. I, I just think it's it's a very fascinating free agency because on the one hand, is James Harden the best free agent in the NBA this offseason? I don't have the list in front of me, but he's certainly up there. I think he might be number one. I mean, you know, whatever. He He's way up there. But he basically has two teams bidding for him that are like a little wary of <laughs> what is this going to look like. I mean, I think the guy played at an all-NBA level last year, and you can admit that, but it's you've been all over this all year where it's like you can be scared either way. Oh, yeah. Losing yeah. him is scary, and, and keeping him is, is scary. And yeah. To me, I think the devil is just going to be in the details. What, what do we end up, uh, you know, what does he end up getting offered and, you know, for how many years? You know, I have a lot of people, uh, you know, because people know my line of work and like to talk, especially almost more in the off season, like to talk about basketball and free agency and news. Ask me, you know, what do I think is going to happen? And my answer is pretty much like, I think he's going to end up going wherever, whoever pays him the most money. And I say that, first of all, I want to acknowledge, like, I don't have someone in Harden's inner circle telling me that this is tea leaf reading here. And I, I say that I don't want it to come across like he only cares about money because I know that's how a lot of people will take it. But I think he sees positives in both situations. Houston with the chance to go home, a place he's comfortable, a chance to use some of their cap space or assets, maybe to get another running mate alongside of him, Philly, because it probably gives him the best chance of winning a title. I think there is positives in both. So it's going to come down to the tiebreaker, which is, going to be money i think and i think that's why there's, this has played out so much in the media why there's been so much reporting about houston as a possibility because he, you've got to drive up that price because neither team i don't think is going to pay him the max and i certainly hope the sixers won't be the team paying him the max what is a contract ultimately that you would be okay with probably not one that he would accept i'm fully expecting that if he signs with the sixers i'm gonna go oh my fucking god i'm terrified of that contract <laughs> but I also recognize that the best version of the Sixers team, at least for next year, probably has him on it. So you're in a pretty tough spot here. Maybe that ends up being like a two plus one, if you can somehow finagle that. But even that, I think, is probably wildly optimistic. Feels like it's going to be something you're going to be uncomfortable with. Agreed. So let me ask you this. Have you kind of wrapped your head around this uh, this second apron yet? Not yet. But you you know the general sure. gist of it. Sure. And it just seems to me that building a team with three guys making a lot of money is going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. Unless you're willing to live in that tax, which again, like if you do that two out of four years, like your your pick goes to the end of the first round, regardless of what happens. Now, maybe you could make the case the Sixers they're like, oh, our picks doesn't matter. Like whatever. Yeah. Like you can't you can't penalize us when. Um, we're sending picks out in these next couple of years, but it's a, uh, it's an interesting position to be in. I, I just wonder though. Well, not only, assuming- not only that, not only that, but like if you have one of these contracts that you want to get off of your books, it's going to be much tougher. In the past you had superstars who were underpaid and then you had the tier below them who were probably worth max money, even if they weren't necessarily superstars. Well, now if you're going to be paid a max, like you have to be a really fucking good player. Otherwise it's crippling. Uh, and that is where the concern comes in with Harden because would he be worth it year one? Probably. Probably. Year three? Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and and I think that's one of the consequences of this. Now, I, I'm not sure how I feel about this second apron. It, it feels like, I don't know, they, they just went after Joe Lacob and Steve Ballmer for, and 
I, I don't completely understand why. Like they're getting their luxury pack uh, tax payments. Yeah. Like and the Sixers are one of those teams that are getting that luxury tax payment this year, which is in um in eight figures. So the uh, yeah, I, I just I, I don't completely have my head wrapped around it yet. But it seems like we talked about for a long time, and Tobias Harris was the perfect example of okay, this guy get a max because. You know, there are only so many good players and all these teams have the ability to max somebody out. The guys in the middle who are not worth it because the superstars are actually worth more than whatever the max is, get that money. And I think moving forward, the Tobias Harris's of the world are not going to get paid like they did. Um, Yep. So and that is the danger of paying Harden is that, okay, yeah, okay. In the first year, he'll be pretty good. He, He will probably be more impactful. But if you get stuck with a Tobias Harris, like I think that is even more punishing than in past years because not only can you not get off that contract, which, by the way, the Sixers have not been able to get off that contract for years, at least not to their liking, it also restricts your ability. Like, yeah, okay, Tobias Harris has restricted their ability for years, but at least they had the mid-level exception. At least yeah. they could do some other things. Like, it's going to get more and more punitive, and you just wonder. Um, but... It's like you said, Harden next year. If they if they don't have Harden, they are not going to be very. Right? They're, they're going be, to be like a five or a six yeah. seed or a four seed or whatever. And hey, they might be that with Harden, but like as much as paying Harden scares me, they they would have a higher ceiling with Harden. There's just no question about it. Um, For and, sure. And replacing with next. So let me let me ask you this: Have you thought about the potential cap space route if they did the did the take your medicine gap year? Yeah, uh, where I I think they could clear upwards of like I have it in front of me right now because um, the dunked on. So you're talking sheets. about the 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 2024 uh, summer, the the free agency of 2024. They would have about 75 mil on the books for that before they extend Maxi. Yeah, I I'm seeing that with um with four players under contract. That's uh that's Tucker. That's Maxi, that's Jaden Springer, and that's Joe on a super max. Um, yeah, they'd have, you know, something in like fifty million to play with. Yeah, with that, once you you add up all the rest spots. Now, maybe you keep DeAnthony on the books, and you know, maybe you're willing to take him over, but you keep his cap hold on the books, which is fifteen million, I believe. Um, you know, there there are some decent players in there. There's Siakam. You know, if you want to go all. Cameroonian if it's the Raptors guys basically OG yeah I think would be pretty interesting and obviously I think you just have the guy you Jalen just Brown him. but you expect him to be either extended or traded and extended somewhere in there you don't expect him to actually hit free agency no I don't expect him to do that um I don't know I think that's an interesting route I think maybe from a long-term perspective you might say in two years you would rather have Joel Tyrese and that cap space over Harden. But then you also run into, so seriously, you're going to like punny. You're you're going to, you're going to do two. And by the way, that involves two things that involves convincing Joe. All right. We're not going to try that hard this year. And you are, if you're still in your prime, it's one of your last years. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, and by the way, Joe might be very good for three or four more years or five years, whatever. I'm not like, this has less to do with how long he eventually goes. And just, it's more to do with the uncertainty. Like, we just don't know. And we know right now 
he is still playing at a uh, at a very yeah. high level. That's the first part. And the second part is you got to tell Maxi, we're going to pay you next year. And that doesn't always go over well. Because you got to keep his cap hold on the books to get that cap space. Who, um, who's his agent? His agent is his name is Richard Paul from uh from the Clutch Sports Agency. Okay. And look, maybe look, maybe they come to an understanding. Maybe Maxi blows up and says, "That's fine. I'm gonna you're gonna I'm gonna cost even more money next year." Uh, and the Sixers are okay with that just because they want the cap space. But those are some of the complications, and those are some of the reasons I think you would. If you're Daryl Morey, you wouldn't want to get involved in that. Like you, you kind of understand that road is, yeah, it might seem better, but also the execution of that is very difficult. Yeah, and it's it's a high stakes play for sure. Uh, and I'm typically like pretty, you know, in the past I have argued for trying to take these pockets of cap space and use them to your advantage. Sixers haven't really succeeded in that at any point in the last decade. Al Horford was who they signed. J.J. Redick was an okay signing, a good signing, a good signing. But I think fans right now, if they're going to punt a year of Joel Embiid's prime, would want something higher than J.J. Redick. And that's just, it's tough to do. And when you talk about, you know, Joe in that summer would be 30 years old. And you're talking about him punting, realistically, a year of his prime. It would be a tough sell, for sure, for a very uncertain payoff. Um, and again, I would have to go through that 2024 free agency list a little more with a little more detail. Uh, but I remember looking it over and outside of names who you really don't think are going to change teams. It didn't seem like the, like you said, Pascal might be the best name. And do you, you know, punt a year for a chance at someone like that? To me, it's definitely when you're talking about Daryl Morey's priorities, a backup plan to bring James Harden back. <sighs> I don't yeah. know. It, he would have to get really creative because I, I don't I like that path in theory. But when I look at the names, I'm not in love no. with them. Um, and I think if you were to follow that path, man, you, you better sign, you know, even if it was two players to like 20 something million, which might be a little more doable now. Like we said, uh, the the role players will not get maxed out as easily, I think, especially yeah. next summer. That's when the real punitive stuff starts like this summer. You can't use the mid-level, whatever. But they, they gave the Warriors and the Clippers a year to like get off yeah. that money because the, the pain starts in the uh, in the 24 offseason. So, yeah, it's uh, he's got those two paths, and that's that's very interesting. Um, and also, what I th- think what's, what's interesting with regards to this new second apron, how does that change what they do with Tobias Harris? Like, a, a lot of people are, oh, they've got to trade Tobias this summer. Well, do the Sixers want to take long-term money back in a Tobias trade? Because one totally. of the ways that you trade Tobias is you use that expiring to your advantage. You get somebody with a few more years left who might be a better fit. Maybe it's two players who are a better fit. Well, how much money can you realis- realistically take back? Not only to maybe try to do a summer of 2024 free agency, but also just to stay under that second apron. You, you mentioned it. Like if they have Harden on the books, if they have Maxi on extension and Joel... That's 120 staying, million. Probably. Staying under that second apron is going to be real tough. Taking back a 20, 25 million dollar player for Tobias Harris, it might be tough you're, to do. You're looking at 150 million dollars, 140, 150 for four players if you do yeah. that. And you know we're, we're talking about a second apron that'll be like 185 million or like 190 million. So you're going to fill out the rest of a championship level roster. That's hard and to by do. the way, you've got George Yang as a free agent. You've got Paul Reed, Paul Reed as a free agent. Shake Milton. In that second offseason, too, you're going to have Melt as a free agent. And yep. 
you know, as much as Melt can frustrate you at times, I, that's not somebody I'd be like looking to move on from. I, no, I would be in the wrong. Anthony Melton business considering his age as well. So we are actually at a point in NBA landscape where you have to decide, do you want to make a Tobias Harris trade or do you want to keep the Anthony Melton and Paul Reed? Like you have to start making some of these decisions. Whereas before you could just throw money at it. As long as you had an owner who was willing to pay the luxury tax, it does make, you know, the, the punitive measure of that second apron where it's not just punitive in terms of punishing your owner, but actually punishing, punishing your flexibility in real ways makes team building more interesting, but a little more stressful too. Now, look, I, I think for the league, and again, if you're a Sixers fan and you want to say, what's the positive here? The positive to me is that Boston can't be a super team for that much longer. Mm-hmm. They're, or they're, they're going to super max those two guys. Guess what? They're not going to be very deep outside of that. The rest of those guys are going to get more money than they can afford. Milwaukee uh, has some really tough decisions. Milwaukee has some really tough decisions yeah. this offseason. Really hard. Uh, and that's know, and to I, your I, point, too. Like a lot of these, like having cap space might be more useful, not just to pursue the, the max types, but to maybe stockpile two or three role players splitting that money. Uh, it will be truly fascinating to see how the league adjusts now that this uh, new CBA is in place. I have a working theory on the Tobias thing, and it's kind of what you talked about earlier. To me, Tobias getting traded almost hinges on whether or not Harden is here. Because I think if he's here, if Harden remains here and the Sixers are going to be expensive, I feel like it's much less likely that he gets dealt. Because of what you said, you want want that to expire, man. Like, If you take long-term money back, how are you building a team? I don't know. It, and if he leaves, okay, then you can take the long-term money back. Then you could build around three guys or four guys, whatever it is, whatever you get back for Tobias. I don't know. I, I think that is, I, it's almost like Tobias expiring now becomes valuable. <laughs> just whether or not you resign him or not, it's just, okay, that money is off our books. Like we actually have a little bit of breathing room now <laughs> The you know, maybe to use the mid-level exception or whatever, or whatever they use. It's uh, that's interesting. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball, and you'll get a one-year subscription to the Athletic, plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited commercial offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget 
If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Let, can we go back to Harden real quick? Because I don't think we talked after Nick Nurse's press conference. Where Nick Nurse said, he got initially asked, do you want James Harden back by Howard? And uh, this is what, by the way, Howard did a great job here. Uh, where he he said, Nick Nurse was like, I think James Harden is a great player. And that was like not an answer to the question. He was like, can you answer my question? And then Nick Nurse said, if he cares about winning, I'm paraphrasing here. If he cares about winning, um, we would love to have him back, essentially. What, what, what did you make of that? Do you think the, you know, we've talked kind of about the Nurse edition and what that means for Harden. Did you, did you make anything of those comments though? Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like, at the beginning, my initial read was that I'm not sure he knew what he could say legally, but it was certainly like a little like of a lukewarm endorsement, like open, almost openly questioning what his priorities are. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I hesitate to read too much into a coach's first comments. But he had days to think about him, too. It was it was an interesting exchange for sure. I'm of two minds on this. And this is just the on court fit. I the more I read about Nick Nurse and kind of what he did in Rio Grande Valley with Daryl and those things, I actually think he likes James Harden as an offensive player. Like I, I think that could be pretty dope. I agree. I think he would give him a lot of you know he talks about basketball freedom again. We've we've argued that you don't have full freedom when you have Joel Embiid on your team. Like you you have to pass mm-hmm. him the ball at some point. Now whether that's a negotiating tactic from Harden or actually how he feels, we'll probably get that answered in the next couple months here. But I think Nick Nurse and him could work pretty well together offensively. Like I, I think there was a. Uh, did you uh, do you remember this at all? There was a game. I, I think I mentioned this before. There was a game in 2019 where we talk about Nick Nurse being creative. He ran a diamond and one at James Harden and the Rockets, and they lost. It was one of the few games that awesome 2019-20 Raptors teams lost. And he he wrote about it. He was like, "Yeah, we tried something really goofy against him and." Our guys were all into it, and unfortunately, he just got off the ball, and they made a bunch of threes against us. But I, I do think like he can respect what Harden does offensively. The idea of shooting a lot of threes, those things. It's just I, I just the defensive stuff. I, yeah, I, it's hard to get past that. It's it's really like he 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 not only his scheme, but just the way Nick Nurse is wired personality wise. Um, there's almost nobody who is noticeably absent in terms of their effort and focus on defense more than James Harden. And we'll see. We'll see. I mean, then again, I, I would have thought Doc Rivers would have gotten frustrated with, him. well, apparently there might've been a little bit of friction, mostly related to night lake activities, but you know, yeah, I don't know. Look, if, if they bring James Harden back on, you know, $150 million over four years or whatever, something like that, Nick nurse is going to have to learn to live with it because Harden's not going anywhere in part because Daryl likes him and, Sixers need him, in part because I'm not sure how much the league's going to value him after that next contract is signed. 
See, that's the one too. And to, to get back to what um, we talk about the money, four years, no go. Uh-uh. Unless it's like the mid-level exception. It's like, all right, well, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm going to guess not, it's going to be a little north of the mid-level exception. That's not happening. So in, in, <laughs> in any realistic scenario, four years, uh-uh. That's, that's automatically a terrible deal. Um, and we will, we will kill it. Like as much as the playing out the string, Joel gap year type of thing sucks. It's, I, I think it's better than the four years for sure. Uh, it, I think the inflection point comes whether is, is it three? Is it two? Like what's the money? What's the maneuverability in there? Yeah. Um, because I, I will say I have softened on bringing Harden back. Like I, I think if you can get him for two years, you have to try and compete, and yeah, two you know, two years is almost a no brainer. Warts, warts, and all. Uh, I I think he, you know, you could pay him whatever you want for two years, and I think okay, that's uh, that's cool. And like as much as we talk about, you know, at the end, it's like oh, he didn't like playing for Doc Rivers, and he clearly threw some shade at him after it was over. He scored forty five and forty two points in, <laughs> in respective second round playoff games with Doc Rivers, so. You know, they they made it work to a certain degree. It's yeah. just not not the degree that anybody here wants. But uh look, man, I, I just think it's fascinating. I, I think James's calculate calculus on this is fascinating. I think the Sixers calculus on this is fascinating. Um and it's one of those where I don't know what the right answer is. No, there's shades of wrong. You just have to pick the best shade. And I know what I know what the wrong answer. The wrong answer is the, the one wrong answer is four years. That's that's wrong. I, Even if it was like 120 mil, like really, because I don't. I, I think that's probably in terms of annual value. That's on the low end of of possibilities. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like it. I, I'd I'd rather. Oh, go, I don't. I don't like any of it. But I'd rather go bigger, more money for three years. I guess is my way. But it'd just be. You could theoretically trade a three year contract if he plays well in his first year, and he's just a pain in the ass. Like yeah. You could theoretically get rid of that. I, dude, I don't know. Four years. <laughs> I think that thing is on ice for a couple of years. You're you're just praying he's playing well. And this would all be so much easier if Tyrese Maxey. You know, one of the things that Nick Nurse brought up almost right away when talking about Maxey is like we'd like to get him to be a better playmaker. If they can actually make him where he can run an offense and you can trust him and he can be your setup man and you're just building around and being Maxey core, it's a lot easier to give him that next contract. Because it's a lot easier to team build around him and around that Embiid Maxi core. Like you need Maxi. It's because it can be real tough to find a backcourt pairing that can hold up defensively and also cover up for Tyrese's limitations as a playmaker. Like it would just be so much easier, cleaner, uh, a lot easier to envision if he could just like run an offense at a good to very good level. And that is very much a step that they need him to take. It's it's the unspoken element, right? If if Maxi is a top twenty player, twenty five player, yeah. I don't even need him to really be a better scorer. I just need to not feel like I need another point guard on the floor with him. And, and so I much feel easier like, team build. Yeah, and I feel like Tyrese. Most of the conversation around him is positive, and I think rightfully so because. And that's the other element of this too: is that if you punt on a year of on this year and let James Harden walk. One of your huge advantages is that Tyrese Maxey makes $4 million this year, and the, yeah. the value you get on that contract is not what you're going to get the year after after that. And I think we do have to be a little bit clear-eyed here. That it's like, well, what is this guy as a number two? Is he 
you know, it, it, can he actually like run a top tier offense? And it's those things like Nick Nurse was like, we need to get him in more pick and rolls. That's great. Like, I, I think that's cool. But is he capable of like yeah. using those well? And I think there are reasons to be skeptical and there are reasons to think that the role that Doc Rivers played him in the last couple of years out of necessity, because James Harden was on the team, is kind of the right one, right? As, as a scorer. And, and that's, that's interesting. So that's that another one calculus. benefit, though, if you are going to have a gap year. At least give Tyrese the ball, put him a million pick and roll, yeah. and just see not only like what he can do that year, but whether or not you have confidence in him growing into that. Uh, that would at least be one benefit. But I'm not yeah. super confident. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about Tyrese Maxey's playmaking. I love him as a player, love him as a kid. I would have hoped for a little more growth as a, you know, distributor, playmaker, running offense, um, decision making. He's real good at not making mistakes with the ball. But he needs to he needs to find more of those passing lanes. So that's the that's the question. And, and to me, by the way, it, it's been the same answer at all times. He needs to leverage his three point shot in a more extreme way to open up more passing lanes for mm-hmm. for himself. And that's where I think Nurse again getting getting back to the Harden thing. Like if the Sixers play a very kind of open ended style with Nurse here, like if Embiid is bombing threes. If Maxi is bombing threes, I I could see them playing kind of a not a revolutionary offensive style, but I think they're going to really try some shit on offense. The more I think about this, the more I've seen Nurse and Maury kind of their history together. Um, will it work? I don't know, but or, you know, I think it'll work to a certain degree. Will it work to the degree the Sixers need? I don't know about that. What did the, but, what did the uh, Birmingham Bullets do offensively? I think they were pretty open ended, and that's kind of why. Maury hired him in, in Rio Grande Valley. Like, by the way, in Rio Grande Valley in 20, I think 11, 12 and 2012, mm-hmm. 13 was when nurse coached for them. They led the league in both threes and pace. Weren't they now, taking like 60% of their shots from three, like something absurd like that? Well, they did that in the, the following years after that, they really took it to an extreme, but it's very funny that I looked at both of those numbers, uh, especially the three point number. Compared to what the D League is now, the G League, I guess it has changed. Uh, it has names. Although Gatorade doesn't send any of that money to me or you, so if you want to call it the D League, I'm fine with that. I, I bet you, how many people actually know it's called the G League because of a sponsorship with Gatorade? This seems like the least effective sponsorship I've ever seen. Anyway, yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, just because we just call it G League now. Yeah, I guess I'm pretty interested to see like they innovated at that point. But what they did is they shot a bunch of threes and played fast. If you look at what the G League is now, they would be last place in, in three-point shooting. Like the, the, the league has kind of caught up to what Maury and the Rockets and Nick Nurse, yeah. you know, as the experimental lab underneath the, uh, the pro team did. So um, I don't know. I, I guess that's a long-winded way of saying, like, I, I think Nurse and Harden offensively. They could get the defensive thing to work out. I think they'd get along offensively. Like I, I think Nick Nurse would be fine giving James Harden the ball and letting him cook. Yeah, yeah. But will they cook in game six or seven? Well, probably not. I mean, that's what their history is. We're not talking about that yet. And that's, yeah, yeah. I'm very interested to see what Joel Embiid's doing over the summer. I'm interested to see how he reacts to the discourse around him. But... There's, it's a, it's a very, and I agree with you. I think I've softened a little bit on 
certainly not as doomsday as I was right after Game 7 happened, and softened on bringing Harden back, while remaining terrified of that contract and the Sixers' overall inflexibility. But it is... This is tough, man. Team building is tough. Building championship is... My cat almost knocked over a thing of water. Building a championship is really tough, and it just got a little bit tougher here with uh, with the CBA changes. You need it, this. All comes back to like we can talk all we want. They need Joel Embiid to be an MVP and carry his team, and that's why a lot of people are probably borderline checked out. And I'm not sure if that's entirely fair. Like I do think there are mo- Joel Embiid had his moments even there in that second round against the Celtics, but. You are not going to get people to... I don't care what Daryl Morey pulls out of his hat here in the next two months. Fans are not going to care until they believe in Joel Embiid. And that can be hard and here, hard and not here. That can be Tyrese Maxey taking a step. They need Joel Embiid to be the best player on the floor. It's fascinating. Agreed. Fascinating team. All right. I'm not sure I necessarily have too much. I think next week or the following week we'll have sort of like a stay or go podcast with all of these Sixers players who are up for debate. Until then, thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.